listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. How's it going, sir? Going well, and you? Ah, it's doing great. The the part I neglected to leave out there is that you're the only one joining me today. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah, it's just the listenership just dropped off considerably in the last. Come back, seconds. mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Look, uh, we've we've done this in the past a little bit where we've uh, uh, we've either uh, just a two of us chatted on the podcast and uh, dove into a topic, or we've interviewed other people at Cooler Partners. Um, the, well, you know, usually we've done that because it allows us to maybe go into a more technical topic or, or something of the sort. But, you know, I think today the reason is, is that we kind of, there's no client side manufacturing marketer in their right mind who wants to go on record talking about this stuff. Seems like a career limiting move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, so. I guess, guys, cutting to the chase, what we're looking to talk about today is kind of a challenge that we've seen uh, crop up an awful lot in uh, manufacturers um, uh, and the relationship, if you will, between the, the sales organization and the rest of the, of the company, uh, where the salespeople maybe kind of begin to act as a bit of a gatekeeper or they're, they're the barrier between uh the the customer and the company and it's a real challenge and uh but it's and we we know by talking to a lot of uh, uh manufacturing marketers that it's a challenge that they experience acutely <laughs> yeah yeah and, and it's it's not just something that we've seen in discussions with the podcast we've experienced it in our own work as well um, to varying degrees that have given us some insight into this idea of salesperson as gatekeeper. And I think it's especially important here because in so many of the relationships within manufacturing that are held in the, the kinds of sales organizations that they have, the salespeople are often more farmer than hunter. And as a result, they are the most connected to their to their customers. And that's where a lot of the potential growth lies, which is where the problems come in. Yeah, I, I mean, I would even go so far to say in some ways, it seems like almost the more uh, niche um, uh, the market is that a particular any given manufacturer serves, the more likely uh, they are to go to market via a direct sales organization. And, and in some ways, almost the more likely um, uh, they are to have a direct sales organization that has uh, deep, uh, often pre-existing relationships with prospects. Um, often they may be hiring the salesperson because they come with those relationships. They're bringing those relationships, yeah. And I mean, we're not going to get into this today, but it's interesting too because you know this notion of you know the salesperson as owner of the customer relationship it, it exists somewhat too in the distributor type relationships too where the distributors don't necessarily want you talking to their customers if you are the provider or the manufacturer of a certain product yeah uh, it, that's a, that's an incredibly fair point and, and it's a problem essentially for the same reasons isn't it is yep. because you know talking to customers is kind of important 
right? <laughs> like we, well, we've had a number. We've had a number of guests on the show take us through uh, their voice of customer work that they've done, um, uh, work that they've, they've they've done to try to better understand the customer uh, from the from the marketing department point of view, um, uh, work that's been 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 done in, in product development. Uh, to get closer to customers and to better understand the problems being solved, et cetera. Um, so we, we speak to marketers, customer service people, product dev people, on and on and on, who beat the drum about how important it is to talk to customers and how dramatically you can alter the outcome of certain initiatives if it's informed by that. So if we're going to recognize that there's a big they're there in terms of talking to customers is important then i think it's important for us to talk about uh the things that stand in the way of that i guess yeah i i think you're right and and i think first and foremost let, let's dive in and start to look at the idea of who owns the relationship um you know because as you said in a lot of cases these sales guys and they're often guys. I don't mean to exclude uh, exclude women as well. But uh, you know, oftentimes the sales teams are, you know, like you say, bringing re previous relationships, perhaps from either competing organizations or organizations within a similar vertical, uh, where their talents might be uh, required somewhere else. So you know, they're they're coming along with that and feel some ownership over it. But you know, you argue that it's not really theirs. You know the customer doesn't belong to them well i think if um if a manufacturer is experiencing this problem if they're noticing that their direct sales organization is kind of keeping them from talking to customers in a more broad way um then in some ways i guess the sale the salesperson has established in that moment that they own the customer um uh, you know if was the old saying, possessions nine tenths of the law, or what have you? <laughs> well, well, kind of the similar type of thing here, maybe. Uh, you know, if they can successfully keep everybody else from talking to the customer, well, then I guess they effectively own the customer. Um, and I guess what I'm kind of saying is, is that's a big problem. And so the the one of the first steps to solving it is. Um, is that notion of the company owning the customer and i i think that this because what we're talking about is trying to make the change from a salesperson feeling that they own the relationship to the company owning the relationship mm. and and i i feel like the like there there's no marketing organization that's going to be able to convince sales to make that shift um that's going to have to be set from the executive level that's going that has to be a tone from the executive team that says, this is what we expect. Uh, we expect those customer relationships to be opened up. Uh, and we, we see serving customers as a team sport. And that means that it cannot, that relationship cannot be owned by one person. And it is a organizational wide mandate to get there. That's the, I, I feel like that's kind of like the only way you can do it. Yeah. Well, I, yes, absolutely. I think it should be proclaimed from on high that, you know, the, it, it would be awfully difficult, I think, for a salesperson to claim that they own the relationship when you come at it from that perspective. 
that that relationship is a team sport, that we're all serving the same needs, you know, that we have, you know, we might have service, we might have marketing that's that's going into those channels to those accounts, uh, what have you, and, and that the salespeople need to be open to having their customers spoken with. But I do think that there's potentially, you know, a slower path to kind of reeling in that customer ownership somewhat. In a lot of cases, what we've seen, as you recall, is that especially in organizations that rely on a legacy sales force, they probably don't have a CRM. So all of that information, all of that relationship data, all of the visits and other you know, back and forth that's occurred is, is happening outside of anywhere that it can ever be inspected by anybody else. So it may be that kind of introducing a CRM would begin to bring a level of accountability to that that could then be used to step to a, a you know, a more, I don't want to say severe, but more, more specific policy oriented statement about the relationship with customers, would you say? Well, I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks you're just uh, delaying the conversation by a millisecond because basically like you, you implement the CRM, which it's amazing. I mean, we're, there, there are, there are marketing or there are manufacturers, um, uh, marketing organizations inside of manufacturers listening to this podcast right now. Uh, and that you know, manufacturers a $500 million manufacturer or, or greater, and they don't have a CRM. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, for the, for, for the many that do, they must find that very head scratchy, but, um, but, it, but it's true. So let's say, okay, we're, we're say we're, we're going to, part of this is we're going to get the direct sales organization, uh, opening up their relationship with customers because they now need to document it in the CRM. Well, just because you implement the CRM doesn't mean it gets used. Mm. I mean, that, that's, you know, getting more into the stuff that nobody wants to talk about at parties. Um, <laughs> uh, like, you know, that, that's a, I would say that it's just, uh, a CRM being underutilized by the sales team is almost as common as CRM implementations themselves. <laughs> yeah, certainly as common as CRM implementations going wrong. Well, and, and, and then you, you take go through the, very often the narrative is, uh, oh, well, we have, uh, the sales team kind of uses the CRM. Uh, most, some people will put their deals in there. Not everybody. You know, Joe, he's retiring in the next three years, and it's hard to get him to change to do anything, really. Um, so so we don't force Joe to do it. But but Billy, he's, you know, 35 and a real uh, go-getter, and technology is just second nature to him. And... I don't know, Jeff. Does it just does it is it just me, or does it seem to you that an awful lot of manufacturers let their salespeople get away with it? <laughs> it does. I think it's because Joe has a really good TikTok account too, and therefore knows what the kids are into. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, I mean, you highlight a really interesting problem there. That's probably a great segue to another point: is that you know. And a lot of organizations that do go to market via direct sales, a lot of that talent is probably heading out the door soon. And therefore, you got to get a tourniquet on this and you have to pull in that information because once they're gone, all of that knowledge is gone with them. 
Well, but that's just it then, the, the kind of that tolerance, that coddling of the uh, older salespeople is running exactly counter to that objective you just articulated about basically knowledge transfer and the generational change that's happening in sales teams. Um, so I, I guess that's why I say maybe we're just delaying the conversation by a second or two because I think it, the, the direction needs to be set at the top that this that, that the company owns the customer and part of that is every interaction with the customer is captured in the CRM and that's really not optional but it, 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 it's optional in the way that paychecks are optional <laughs> um, yeah and, and I don't know maybe maybe people listening will think I'm being too harsh there but I, I think we just need to really get be honest with ourselves about that um, you've got a guy heading out the door in three years' time on early retirement uh, who hasn't documented any of the relationships, isn't opening the door to even customer service, building a deeper relationship with your customers, etc. Um, that's a serious problem. And when that talent heads out the door, you know, it, that's, I can tell you that then it's too late to do anything about it. Yeah. And that one person could be responsible for tens of millions of dollars, you know, like, awfully hard to serve into those those organizations if you don't know what what the, what the shot is you know yeah yeah and and what's interesting to think about too is that sometimes when we think of that transition we think of okay well so and so's retiring so we need to transition those relationships to the new person and i think that that's probably the wrong way to think about it too because transitioning the relationships to the new person just shifts the kicks the problem down the road and while the person that's retiring probably stayed with the company 20 or 30 years chances of that new person that just came on staying with the company for five years is pretty slim um so i i think it makes it all the much more kind of important more imperative that that shift to thinking about selling as a team sport serving customers as a team sport that needs to happen. Uh, we can't have all of our um, redundancy in one person, like a one-to-one. -one, okay, we have one salesperson, and we've got one person that could be back up for that person. That, mm -hmm. that doesn't really work. No, no, especially when it's so close to the money. You know, you can't, you can't have that. I, I think though that they're, you know, we're we're being somewhat harsh on on salespeople right now and, and sometimes deservedly so but not always and I, I do think that marketing has a responsibility here as well that when the sales team is opening up to those discussions and providing that information that marketing can give some value back and, and i think this is really where you know if you think back to our, our recent conversation with cynthia kellum at te connectivity you know, they, they um, you know, almost talking to their customers too much that may not be possible. You know, we talked to her a little bit about potential survey fatigue and things like that. But, uh, you know, the building of the profile of the opportunity within your customer body, that's something that marketing can do and that others within the organization can do that is going to provide real value to the sales team down the road, you know, kind of really starting to get to understand that customer on a level that is not just, you know, handshakes, golf rounds and, uh, and dinner, steak dinners, you know? Yeah. It, it allow. I think the way, 
I would encourage salespeople to, to open up to the idea. The, the, the way I'd encourage them to think about it is to say, these people have permission to ask questions that you don't have permission to ask. Yeah. Or, or, or they will just, or, and even if they ask the same questions that you ask as a salesperson, they may get different answers. Uh, because the person know, you know, uh, perceives that their answer is going to be received in a different way or you know, they may be just more open and, and, and honest with somebody who they uh, don't feel has a direct commission-based relationship at play, right? Um, not, uh, uh, that can be the, the case with even in those, uh, those times when the salesperson and the person they're selling to have really become friends over the years. Like so often we're talking about relationships. Uh, you know, we're talking about friendships like they may have attended each other's children's weddings kind of thing like um <laughs> yeah but but with that familiarity also comes uh, more things that i may guard uh, against as in my conversation i may not be as willing for instance if i'm a, a customer and i'm that close to my salesperson i may not be as open with a salesperson when things have kind of gone a little sideways i may not want to be as harsh or as direct you know yeah um so yeah, I think it is a bit of a gift to the salesperson if they can open up to that. And say, I may, I, I may get new information here that I just otherwise wouldn't be able to get, and that may help me upsell more. It may, I may be able to cross sell into this organization better, et cetera. But oh, this brings up a good point, Jeff. The person being gatekeep from from those customer relationships sometimes are other salespeople. You know, we see it. We see it so often. A, a manufacturer goes and they buy. You know, the the mergers and acquisition play is, is happening and they're so they're incorporating a new product or service offering into uh, into their core and they're going to sell it into their existing customer base. And all of the salespeople responsible for all those existing relationships are like, yeah, we're not talking to our, my customer about that. Mm. Uh, I don't like I don't want you to talk to them about uh X when I've been busy making bank selling them Y for the last uh, 10 years. Like, don't mess up a good thing. Yeah. How, you know, how often is that? Like, we think about, oh, well, they're keeping, um, these gatekeepers are keeping marketers away. They're keeping customer service people away or, or C-suite people away. But often it's other salespeople they're keeping away. Too. Man, that is a really interesting point. Uh I remember an episode we recorded a couple of years ago, John Eklund Promock, who was the VP of marketing, I think. If that's the wrong title, I apologize, John. But um, it basically had written the playbook about how they integrate new brands that they buy, a very aggressive M&A organization. And part of that, if you recall, was also ensuring that the sales teams were immediately plugged into each other's information so that the cross-sell could happen from the, you know, from the get-go. So that yeah. they're really starting to see value very quickly from their mergers and acquisitions, and they're not spending a whole whack of time trying to figure out who owns what and why Jimmy from the U.S. can't talk to, you know, Jean in, uh, you know, in Berlin or something like that. You know, so it uh, it's pretty interesting. I also think too, you know, you talked a bit about the about how some salespeople may not be comfortable with certain lines of questioning. I think that can also play into potentially using a third party like like an outside agency or a, a survey firm or somebody like that to kind of go in and begin to ask those questions that the, the sales team can't because sometimes the relationships 
at that exact moment may not be on the best of footing for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I think you can open up these relationships and get more get get additional information in a lot of different ways, uh, be that third party or just other different departments or what have you. Um, but the only reason, way you're going to get there is if um, the person that's gatekeeping is no longer uh, acting in that role, right? Yeah, that's the. No, that's really the nut that we're trying to crack. And, you know, we talked about that notion of, you know, setting the tone from the top around company owning the relationship and kind of that notion of CRM compliance is, is a must these days. I mean, guys, it's 2022. You got to put your stuff in the CRM. Um, everybody like, oh, well, they don't like, they don't really like technology. Meanwhile, buddy's on the can in the washroom placing his sports bets on his app, right? Like (laughs) it's, we're just lying to ourselves thinking that the CRM's too difficult to use. We're just letting people away with crap and we need to, I think, get over ourselves about that. But to be fair, some CRMs are very difficult to use. Sure, (laughs) there there may be better options than uh, than what people might have. Yeah, so get a better one, or just you know buckle up, princess, and learn to use the one you got. It's probably not impossible, right? Um, uh, But uh, so there we are, beating up on the salespeople maybe a little bit. So let's let's flip it a bit and say the, the last bit of advice I would have is that. I think in in kind of in trying to make this shift and trying to say the company owns these relationships, and guys, we need you to be putting the stuff in the CRM. That you need to honor the sales function when making this change. So often, I've seen organizations uh, change their compensation structure, as an example, uh, at the same time as they're trying to say the company owns the accounts. Um, the a surefire way to lose people before you ever captured their data. Well, yeah, like, or they may say something like, uh, "We'll continue to pick on our soon-to-retire Joe here, uh, fictitious Joe. He's forty-three. He's going to take early retirement package in a few years." Um, Wait, you get to retire at forty-three? Uh, I said, did I say forty-three, fifty-three, fifty-three? Ooh, I was so going like, to say, I'm a little late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now he distracted me. I don't even know. Okay, so yeah, so. So, so we've got our our fifty-some-odd-year-old uh, salesperson, and we're gonna, we're making this change, and they'll say, okay, uh, you know, we're going to team you up with a more of a sales admin person or what have you, and 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 they're going to take over, uh, you know, a lot of the day-to-day on this account or that account, and now, by the way, the commission structures are going to be kind of shared amongst the team too, and. You know, so they start mucking about with that, and it's like, no, like, no, 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 no. This you, everything you do here cannot decode to the salesperson like you're disrespecting what it is they bring to the table. In fact, you need to almost double down on respecting it. You need to find probably a way, as much as it uh, kills you as a <laughs> as a manager, maybe I don't know, but you need to say, look, when our team upsells an existing customer. And that salesperson had nothing to do with it. You may even need to give that salesperson the same commission they would have gotten otherwise. They, it, it, you still may need to comp them at that account level um, and and honor that function more than is maybe what your instinct would be. Does that make sense? It does. Do you think it continues indefinitely? Well, no, because Joe's retiring in a few years. 
<laughs> the planned obsolescence model of commission-based selling. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what I mean. Like other people will join the organization under a different rule book and under a different set of expectations, and and, and that evolution can happen. Um, but I, I, I just think it's a recipe for failure uh, to make too much change too fast uh, in this, and and the change that will. Uh, piss off a salesperson more than any other is the comp change. Yeah, probably very limited um, appetite for uh, that sort of discussion. I remember an organization I used to work in, and uh, the VP of sales once told me, he's like, I'll tell you one thing right now, that every sales guy in this organization understands. They know every time the CFO starts talking about a comp plan change, that they're losing and the company's winning. <laughs> That's the, like the house in Vegas. They're immediately suspicious. Uh, there's just no way this is for, for, for my good. This is for somebody else's. And I, I, I you know, the, I think the thing that we people think that people that aren't in sales benefit from and appreciate about people who are in sales is they'll have that tough money conversation when nobody else will. Yeah. Um, so these people are people who are more likely to be motivated by money than a lot of other positions and they understand the money more than other positions. Uh, so avoid making the, in fact, even find ways to be more generous with the comp as you move to a team-based approach versus the other. It's definitely more uh, carrot than stick in that in that model, especially if you're implementing things that are otherwise going to be painful. Like you can't be, you can't be like beating everybody from both ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Maybe I don't don't know. Really, it, it uh, brings about quite a visual. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other thing we can get into when we don't have a guest. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> entirely different topics but and you know i mean I, I think it's also worthwhile we could probably link up some other episodes in um in the show notes just about organizations that have had tremendous um you know benefit from spending more time talking to customers and not just from a sales perspective but from you know i'm thinking of chris witt from tektronics that we recently had on the show they've their entire product development process is now voice of the customer driven. Um, you know, when, when you begin to embed that kind of thinking in the DNA of the company overall, it's probably an easier pill to swallow than if you're just kind of switching how the sales team needs to work. Yeah, but if you're an organization with these with this gatekeeper problem that we're talking about and you just listen to that chris witt ap episode of the podcast part of you is probably thinking we can't get there from here <laughs> right like yeah. yeah sure we could have a much more uh, innovative uh, and um, reliable product development program that was you know better serving customers by talking to customers throughout it but you know there's a there's something that's standing in the way of that. So I guess that's the, you know, uh, that's why I'm hoping today's uh, show gives people something, a, a lens to think about, uh, to look, look through as they think about that problem and say, okay, how do we begin to make that change? How do we shift away from the salespeople as gatekeepers 
and get to a more uh, team-based approach that allows this other innovation to come about. Yeah, and, and I think that's really that's really where I think we should leave it. Is just you know this is a this is an essential thing. All organizations are going to have to face this at some point um, in the next decade, I would say. And uh, you know if you're looking at your sales organization right now and going, "Huh, I really don't know who to even talk to at customer XYZ." Um, then you may have probably we, we can do a one question diagnostic for you that you exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that people that have that problem kind of in some they very much know it like they it's a daily frustration for them in some way they may not see it as something that stands in the way of a corporate-wide innovation initiative or something but they no. certainly experience the problem and uh for, for those folks i think again the, the, the three tips are you know, you got to find that executive champion to really uh, uh, make sure that we can set that tone from the top that the company owns the relationship, not the person. Um, and with that, I think you can drive some of that CRM compliance that we know is vital. And if you make those changes um, uh, and, and, and get that team-based approach working inside of a structure that honors the salesperson's contribution and does not seek to compensate them less or even differently um then uh i think you're you're well on your way to being able to make those changes great points thanks a lot carmen likewise sir pleasure thanks for listening to the cooler ring with carmen perry and jeff white don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.